Yo. What's Yo. Everybody? Sorry if the audio is a little bad. I'm on my phone recording this episode. So uh, in my Airbnb, I'm staying at my uh, Wi-Fi is horrific. And um, I used all of my personal hotspot on my phone on my laptop to record uh, my entire draft guide videos. Quick plug for that. It's free. 95 player videos. And there. Go check it out. Um, but yeah, and I, I have to use my personal hotspot to record the episodes on the laptop too. Normally while I'm here anyway in New York for the summer. So I guess for the rest of the, uh, this month, we'll be recording the, the episodes not live and then just ripping the file and publishing it. But if you're listening to it on your streaming platform, it's probably not too different for you anyway because you're probably not watching them live on Monday and Wednesdays anyways. But uh, Akash is digging for some stats right now. Uh, I'm sure that's going well for him. But today we have a fun episode. We are doing our three, well, three players a peach, so a peach, a piece. Uh, so six players total. Uh, that we think are a little overrated right now at their ADP. Not necessarily bust picks. Well, for me at least, because I already did my bust uh, my bust picks. So uh, I picked some different players here who I wouldn't say are like busts, uh, but guys I don't really like at their ADP. Akash, are these like bust picks for you, or like what is this for you? Um, more so fades. Um, yeah, I wouldn't call them bust picks. They definitely can bust. Two of them can. Um, I guess all three of them can because it's really not impossible for anyone to not bust, but um, definitely two of these guys I could see being like colossal flops. But okay. one of them's one of them's perceived as safer, and the only way he flops is injury. But his position has a lot of injuries, so it's Will, it's Will Fuller. <laughs> it's Nick Chubb. We'll get into it later, though. You can go okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll start off with the running back then, I guess. Uh, we talked a little bit about a pre-show. Uh, but for me, it's Javante Williams uh, at his cost. I'm fading him a bit just because I think Melvin Gordon is going to be a pain in the ass this year. Um, you know, I really like Javante Williams. I do. I think he's a total stud. Um, you know, very, very good running back. I mean, I think I had him in my, in my uh, running back real-life rings. I think I had him in, like, the 12th best running back in the NFL, which honestly feels a little low for him. He's a monster, dude. He's really, really good. And once Melvin Gordon is gone he's going to completely destroy the NFL. Like, if Melvin Gordon was not in Denver this year, I think I would have Javante ranked maybe top five this year. Like, I don't know about top five, but he'd be up there for sure. Like, around, like, Joe Mixon range probably for me, like RB7-ish, six-ish. I really like Javante. Um, I just think that Melvin Gordon's going to hold him back. And in this offense, this team's trying to win games now, so they don't really care about featuring their young players. They're just going to try to utilize whoever's going to win them the game. Um, and I think we're going to see more of a split than people would like this year out of Melvin Gordon and Javante. And as much as I want to shrug off Melvin Gordon and say he's not going to be a factor in this offense, he really was pretty good this year. Like, I actually looked at his stats again today. He was pretty viable last year for the Broncos. And, you know, I don't think he had any terrible injuries or anything. So, I, I mean, I'm expecting another really solid year from Melvin Gordon, although he's getting up there in age. Um, so that being said, like, as a whole, I like Javante a lot as a, as a running back in general. But for fantasy this year, I don't really know if it's his season. Yeah, um, my th- thinking with Javante is I, th- I understand your concerns. I just think that they're too exaggerated because while Melvin Gordon can absolutely factor in just like he did last year, yeah. uh, you're not considering the possibility that Melvin Gordon, who's a 29-year-old RB, just falls off like we see many old running backs do. You know, it, we won't see the cliff coming. It'll, it'll just come, and it won't surprise me if it's this year because he's an old running back. And like you said, if Melvin Gordon wasn't there, you'd have Javante Williams as a top five running back, right? Yeah. yeah. So what if Melvin Gordon falls off? He's like 
Last year, what we saw what happened to David Johnson, just a non-factor, completely washed. What if that happens to Melvin Gordon this year? Then he's a non-factor, and Javante Williams, he'd be a top-five running back for you, right? Yeah, I mean, possibly, but I, I feel like at his price, it's just that ceiling a whole round of the cost that I prefer. That ceiling remains, because right now, he's going at um, in the third round of drafts. Yeah. That's some serious upside for the third round. And I know it's not guaranteed upside, and there's still definitely the possibility that Melvin Gordon is a factor, but RB14 in the third round for someone who you think and I think could be a top five running back because if because if the workload breaks in his favor and he also gets a good share of the receiving work, which he did last year, even in the split, we think that this could contribute to top five scoring because he is oh he could potentially be a workhorse in a really good offense. And that's a recipe for top five production. That's fair. All right, why don't we move into your first one? Yeah, I'm going to start off with uh, Nick Chubb. He's kind of like an evergreen staple for for me here, talking about um, my overrated players, because he is a good reality player, which is why he's hyped up, um, because, you know, it's sometimes a bit hard to uh, fully separate fantasy from reality. But Nick Chubb is uh, overrated because... He doesn't get receiving work, and he never has in his entire career. And it leads to him not having any discernible upside. Uh, over the last three years, I believe, he's been a low RB1 every single year. That's great. That's fine. And it's where he's being drafted right now. So I'm not going to say, like, oh, you're drafting him at his ceiling, even though you kind of are, because that's something that everyone says. Um, but you're drafting him without much upside at the pick you're picking him at. And so what you're looking for is upside. And even if he's considered a safe pick, which he isn't because he's a running back and running backs can always get injured, especially when they get 250 carries like Nick Chubb does. When you're drafting him as a low RB1, you're not getting top five or top one potential that you yet you can get in other running backs in that area, like Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley, Javante Williams, and Swift. Swift Swift goes earlier than him by like half a round. So I know, but, but like in yeah. some drafts, I'm sure Chubb will go over Swift. Yeah, I'm sure he will too. But yeah. Um but Nick Chubb is like considered a floor pick, but you shouldn't be focusing on floor. You should just be searching for upside. And the upside of workhorse Saquon Barkley or Atlanta Fournette reproducing his 2021 numbers or Javante Williams if he was to become the workhorse in this offense and Melvin Gordon was to get faded out a little bit more the upside of them is worth far more than Nick Chubb getting drafted at RB13 and finishing at RB11 I mean, that's a lot of fair points it really is I just think that you know there there is something to say about the really safe guys you know I feel like Nick Chubb is kind of like the Mike Evans of running backs like, you know, he, every year he's really solid. Uh, this is a fantasy comp, not a real-life comp. Nick Chubb's way better as a running back than Mike Evans as a wide receiver. But, you know, he, he's really safe every year. He'll always be, like, a you know, a top 12 to, you know, 15 running back on the year probably. Um, I like Chubb. I don't, the concern I have for him is that the offense as a whole probably won't be very good this year, especially with Watson out. So, you know, less red zone carries, a lot more attention on the box, uh, loading up for Chubb to run the ball. I might give him a harder time, but 
in general, it's hard for me to fade Nick Chubb because I do think that he's such a stud just in real life. I just, I just like him a lot, but I do agree with everything you said, though. So, uh, Moving on to my second player, uh, I'm going to be talking about a guy who has been getting a lot of love on fantasy Twitter for two years now, uh, especially this year. Gabe Davis, Gabriel Davis, wide receiver two for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a fan. I think he's going way too early for his production that I have predicted for him. Um, you know, while I think the wide receiver two role for the Buffalo Bills passing offense should be valuable on paper, I don't know. We just haven't really seen anyone really succeed for fantasy in that role so far, Josh Allen and Buffalo. Um, and I don't want to dismiss that because obviously someone can step up. And Gabe Davis is capable of having big games. But I, I feel like he's being drafted as a top-end wide receiver three who got, uh, and people who view who have like high to mid-end wide receiver two upside. But I think he's a low-end wide receiver three who has fringe wide receiver two upside. Like, I think Gabe Davis is going to have some big games this year. But I think at around his cost, there's players who have really high-end wide receiver two upside to fringe, like, you know, top 15, top 18-ish upside. Uh, and I don't think Gabe Davis can get there just because I think that Stephon Diggs just, like, is the guy for this passing offense. I don't know. Like, I know there's a lot of metrics out there that says otherwise for Gabe Davis. I just personally just don't think he's as good as other people are. And other people think, I mean. And if he didn't have that one playoff game where he scored, like, four touchdowns, no one would even care about him as much as they do right now. And people keep pointing that metric. It's like, oh, he can perform in big games. He can give you big games. Like, dude, that was literally one game. It's not that big of a deal. Um, I think it was only elevated because it was in the real-life playoffs. And I, just at his cost, I prefer a lot of other people um, going around him at ADP. Yeah, everyone who's touting big game Gabe Davis because he performs in the clutch should be drafting Nick Foles with their last picks. <laughs> uh, but I totally agree with you. He's being drafted pretty highly for someone that we haven't seen produce at all. His per route metrics are fine. They're, they're okay. Uh, but honestly, I truly really do believe that he's a pretty decent player. I just don't think he's he good could enough. could be. I, I think the jury's still out on that one. But... Yeah, and like Crowder's not a – I mean – He's not going to eat his lunch in terms of taking his role, but he's a pretty good player too. And like combining Crowder and Diggs, and like I feel like, and Knox, I guess like a lot of targets are going to be taken from him to like cap his ceiling for what I'm looking for. I don't know. Well, I mean the thing about his ceiling, his ceiling ex- like is determined by him, and so if he is good, then his ceiling isn't going to be inhibited by the likes of Crowder and Knox who are all mid. So if he is good, then he can determine his own ceiling. I just don't think that he is very good. And I, I agree with you on that that part. Next, I want to get into Mike Williams, who is crazy. I love this pick. I love it. I hate Mike Williams, dude. Right. So first of all, um, I understand that there was a, a role change last year, but we still have only seen one season of Mike Williams ever being productive in his entire career. And I'm not saying that it's going to have the same result. Bro, last like season Devontae wasn't even Parker. that big of a role change in my eyes, though, too. Like, I remember it last was his year when he started change. going crazy. He started going crazy, and everyone was like, oh, my God, he's Michael Thomas. Do you remember that? <laughs> People were saying that he, he got the Michael Thomas role in this offense, which was absolute lunacy. Bizarre. And I told everyone to sell high on him. Which was, actually, I thought was probably one of my better takes last year at the time. But, yeah, I don't, I don't um, like Mike. I don't know. I mean – he wasn't being right. Like you, he was wider. I, I mean, I told, I told people you're saying he was wide receiver two in like 
in yeah. points, but no one was putting him there. So everyone was selling high, and it was really driving his price down. I think um, his rest of season production wasn't the best, but I, I honestly think if you sold high after like week five or six, you probably just broke even because he did he did produce all season. It wasn't like the first five weeks were completely carrying him, and he he was good last season relative to what he had been before that. He he ranked. He ranked um, 13th in expected points per game and 14th in points per game, which is Bro, I just want to say real quick, one of those trades, I saw one of my followers traded Mike Williams straight up for Saquon, I'm pretty sure. Mm, damn, that's crazy. I know, bro. That's wild. He was going hot for a second there. Was it um, in the middle of last season? Yeah, yeah. When I told people to sell high, like when he was like the wide receiver too and just going that's, absolutely That's wrong. so crazy. I, I imagine know. it was like after two bad Saquon games and the Saquon – Manager starts panicking. It definitely was. Everyone was selling Saquon last year. Everyone was panic selling. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead with your. That's story. absolutely hilarious. But so what I said about him ranking 13th in expected points per game, but he ranked, um, I believe, 28th or 27th in uh, expected points percent. So it's the percentage of your team's expected points. It works in a similar way to like target share. But also, but like in the expected points kind of voice. So it's also factoring your role in the red zone, which in, increase your expected points and other stuff like that, such as your um, depth of target, where deeper targets have more expected points or can have more expected points because they contribute more to bigger plays. Anyways, um, it was a lot lower than his expected points per game rank. And that's because the Chargers as a team ranked second in the league and expected points per game as an offense right behind the Buccaneers. And it makes sense because they threw a lot of touchdowns and they threw a lot of yards. It's just that his volume is being so, his production being so buoyed by his situation that if his situation was to come down and they weren't a 5,000 yard passing offense or they weren't throwing, I think, top three volume in the NFL, then you would see his numbers come down quite a bit. And that's something that I just don't feel comfortable in, you know, really banking in the situation over the talent. Because I, I think uh, last year showed that he is a pretty good player, not just like a mediocre player like he was. No, he's a very good real-life player. It just doesn't like he, he was from 2018 to 2020. He was mediocre and for real life. And But last year, you know, you kind of adjust the way you think about him. You say, okay, he's a he can be a solid NFL player, but I don't think – that he's a top 12 or top 15 receiver the way that he's being drafted. And of course the situation helps him, but the situation is really carrying his projections for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with everything you just said, obviously. Uh, okay. Let's round things out here with my third player. I'm going to go in with the guy. I actually like a good bit, but I don't like his price this year. Um, Dallas Goddard for me is a little too expensive right now. Um, I like Dallas Goddard. I think he's a really good player. I mean, I was really excited uh, for him coming into last season, thinking that Ertz is going to be out of town before the year started. That didn't happen. He stayed with the team before getting traded to Arizona or released. I forget what happened with Zach Ertz, but he ended up in Arizona somehow. Yeah, he got traded. Uh, yeah, I think it was a trade. Anyway, um, I like Goddard a lot, but I feel like his price is not adjusted like at all with the addition of A.J. Brown to this offense. And I liked him mm -hmm. a lot more before when it was Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, pretty much as like the two featured pass catchers for this team. But now adding A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, like I feel like his ceiling is just capped for what you kind of want 
for my tight end in that price range. Like I prefer, yeah. you know, I just prefer other guys to value. It's not that like I hate Dallas Scott or anything. Like if, if the value is there, I might consider drafting him. I just don't think, I feel like he'll have a lot more bust weeks this season than he has in past. Well, yeah, yeah. So um, Coop, there it is. I think it is. Or I think that's his Reddit at and his uh, Twitter at might be different. Um, but he does a lot of articles on tight ends and he's, he talks about how there's um, two two factors come together to make this one statement, like a very good rule of thumb. One, it's hard to be a top five tight end without 100 targets. And two, very few teams have three receivers get 100 targets. And that comes together to say that if you want a tight end to have top five upside, they pretty much need to be a top two option on their team. And I totally agree. That's I don't see that like, happening uh, with Smith and AJ Brown. Obviously, injuries could happen, but it's, it's a hard projection to make. Another, and, another guy I don't like for the similar reason you just brought up. I'll give you a, little, a quick two for one here. Uh, Mike Gesicki. Like, I like Gesicki. Yeah, I agree with that. But Waddle, Hill, and Gesicki, like, I don't know. It's not liking it very yeah. much. I, I agree with that. And without being a top two option on your team, you really don't have um, very high upside unless your t- offense is absolutely crazy with uh, with pr- offensive production and volume. And that's not the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that passed, what, like the least amount of times last year? Not much at all last year. It was a lot of rushing. Right. And they could increase, but I wouldn't project them to have a substantial increase, not in any way that could make Dallas Goddard into a top five option. Not to say that he has to finish as a top five option for him to return any value. It's just that if you draft him at tight end eight, finishes at tight end eight, then you're not getting much value from that pick. You might as well have just drafted Evan Ingram in round 14 and say, okay, there's my tight end slot sometimes and I'll pick up someone when I want to. It's just not a very viable use of your capital to draft those mid-round tight ends like Goddard where there's not really a very high projectable ceiling and their production above replacement isn't that high to the point where honestly streaming or just keep cycling cheap upside options like at Alberto or Evan Ingram is a lot more viable than um, than Dallas Goddard at price. Yep, totally agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I, I've said before, but this year especially, if you can't get one of the top guys, like if you can't get Kelsey, Waller, Andrews, Kittle, Pitts, or Schultz. Schultz's not in that conversation. I would. I was almost no, going to no, put no. Schultz. At cost, at, at cost, at cost, at cost. Act no, college. Schultz is the same cost as Goddard, pretty much for the same. No, population. I know Schultz. Schultz is better than Goddard, though. He's in a better situation. In my he's opinion. in a better situation, but I don't think he's. I think he'll have similar production. That's fine. Anyway, if you can't get one of those guys, and it will take out Schultz for Akash for me. Leave Schultz in there. If you can't get one of them, just punt the position and get Hunter Henry or something later, or Albert or something. Hunter Anyways, Henry is a great one because he's done nothing but produce throughout his entire career. And his value has just gone way down because he's 27 instead of 26 or something. I don't know. But if they pass more than they did last year, which isn't an impossible thing with Mac Jones heading into year two, or if Hunter Henry just catches a bunch of touchdowns, he could sneak in the top eight or top five. It's because he's the only weapon that's actually quality. Jacoby mid. No, we stand Jacoby Myers here. No, no, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. And then there's really no one else of value. Yeah, not that not that uh, Henry and Myers would be are, are going to be superstars, but yeah. they're John enough to get Smith, the job done. Okay, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, 
whole bunch Kendrick of mid. Walmart employees, as Luke says. Hey, no, don't quote me on that anymore. Don't yeah, I'm it. quoting you on that. Don't do it. No, okay. no, no. We, right. we need the Patriots fans' interactions, the hate interactions, to drive traction on this episode. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'll clip that part. All right, bring us on, my boy. Third pick. Yeah, my last pick is Dawson Knox. So sticking with the trend of uh, the Bills offense being overvalued outside of Diggs and Allen because people want to... Quick thing on the Bills offense being overvalued. It kind of gives me similar vibes to how, like... I mean, it's to any good offense, but, like, it feels like the Chiefs or, like, the Packers or anything like that. Like, you have a really good quarterback. Everyone's like, oh, insert X pass catcher here like oh they have this player throwing them the ball who's really good like they have to be good for fantasy like it's 100 percent. i agree it's not yeah. the case right exactly it's like he is this year's robert tunyon pretty much in terms of the way you approach the process he i off the top of my head i don't know what he ranked in target share maybe you could check player profiler pull that up but in pff stats which I think are pretty good out of all the tight ends with a, like a decent number of targets. Um, all the tar- tight ends who had more than 74 targets. Dawson Knox ranked. Oh, wait, <laughs> never mind. He had less than 74. So I have to put a different filter on this. Well, no. I know That's he doesn't even get, like, he doesn't even earn targets. Bro. That's how mid he is. Yeah, the he had 71 targets. Easy. So out of every tight end who had 70 targets, which is a lot cleaner of a number, there's 19 tight ends there. Dawson Knox ranked 17th in PFF receiving grade, and he ranked uh, 18th out of 19 in yards per hour run. He's ahead of Tyler Higby in yards per hour run. It's basically nasty, awful. That's so awful. Yeah, Knox isn't like I don't think he's a bad player. He's an average tight end who just happens to catch player. a lot of touchdowns. He's a bad player. He's he's an I average mean, starting tight end. He's an average starting tight end because average starting tight ends are pretty bad receivers. Okay, for receiving, yes, I think I think for a general average NFL tight end, he's pretty decent. Yeah, yeah he's, he's an average receiving tight end, and an average starting tight end would be the 16th best tight end, and that's not a starting tight end in fantasy football. And even with that, really high touchdown numbers last year, he was barely a tight end one. And he doesn't show up well in pretty much any advanced metric except for maybe fantasy points per target because he catches touchdowns, and that's basically all that that measures, how much your touchdown rate is. Um, so he is occasionally fantasy viable because he's allowed to run – like 80% of the routes in a top three offense in the NFL. So he sometimes falls mm-hmm. into the end zone. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, the talent is just not there. So if his routes were to go down at all, he would not be fantasy relevant. And he barely is fantasy relevant right now. Exactly. All right. Uh, shorter episode today, but I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, chock full of content. We will be back again with another episode on Thursday. If you're still listening to this, I love you so much. Patriots fans, please flood my mentions for engagement. We love you. All right. So, Akash, say bye. Bye.